I don't know about you, but I'm always inspired by great stories about how people have done great work, especially if it centres on empowering people to look after themselves at home, well supported by clinical teams. If you are like me, you're in the right place. My name is Anne Cooper and I'm a nurse with a passion for how we use digital technology to help us to care for people. In this NHSX podcast series, I will be chatting to people who've done just that, come together and worked out how to use technology in new and innovative ways to improve care all against the backdrop of a global pandemic. These are stories of clinical transformation with technology and they form part of the NHSX National Innovation Collaborative. If you want to know more about the collaborative, please join the conversations on the National Innovation Collaborative workspace. You can find more information and a link in the show notes. So get your ears tuned in and get ready to be inspired. Hello everybody, how lovely to be here with you. We're here to talk about your experiences of using technology to improve clinical services. And I wondered if we could start with you, Zoe, and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, but also what type of services you deliver. My name's Zoe Harris. I am a nurse by professional background, and I've been working and providing care to patients with cardiorespiratory disease for um, the last 25 years. I'm now in the fortunate position to be the cardiorespiratory clinical service lead and um, I lead three clinical services so that's the heart failure specialist community nurses, the respiratory specialist service caring for people with COPD and the heart failure and respiratory community rehabilitation teams. And Barry, I understand that you're one of Zoe's Patients, would you like to tell us a little bit about you and your health experience? I'm an engineering lecturer. I work for a college. Uh, two years ago, I, I had what the doctor said to me, a little fluid on the lungs. He sent me for an x-ray to the Glenfield Hospital in Leicester. They said to me, yes, you've got some fluid on your lungs. We might keep you in overnight uh, to do some tests on you and that overnight extended to a month in hospital which was very traumatic for me my wife and family um, although they came to see me every day uh, it still was a, a, a worrying time worrying time for me as well as uh, I came out out of hospital and and it was it was amazing to to smell all the different smells, the grasses being cut, the, the flowers, everything, the blossom. So, yeah, I, and then I was assigned uh, a community heart nurse uh, and she came to see me and was very, very good. Her and, and at the weekends, I had another one, Emma. If I had any queries or, or instances where I was anxious about my condition they they put me at ease put my family at ease which was very very good then a couple of months after that i got asked if i would go on the telehealth program 
because I've used that similar platform. So I agreed to do that. And that, again, has been very, very useful for me. Very, very useful. Can I come back to Zoe? Obviously, last year, the way that you delivered your services up to then suddenly became less possible, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, it, it basically it just changed overnight in the sense that none of us in living memory had delivered clinical services um, during a pandemic. And um, we care for people who are really vulnerable, who have long-term conditions, but also can also be older people and um, frail. We were fortunate in that Aging Well provided some funding for us to be able to look at digital pathways so that we could um, deliver our care in an entirely new and innovative way, but also make that change really quickly, taking both the clinical team and our patients with us so that we could still absolutely care and support um, our patients with long-term conditions, but reduce some of the face-to-face contact. So in turn then reducing the risk of cross-infection between people. That sounds like it was exciting but daunting at the same time. How did the team respond to that? I mean, I think that generally the team in Leicestershire and the community are just absolutely fantastic. They are senior clinicians and they are from an MDT background, so it's a mixture of nurses and therapists. And I think that despite the fact that everybody was kind of worried about their their own lives and their families, actually from a leadership perspective, that really shone through for me. So we we kind of articulated that we would take a product off the shelf, but that clinicians would be able to input into shaping, making it right for our patients as the project continued. Because having worked in the NHS for 25 years, um, clinical governance is tricky um, and usually takes us a long time to work through um kind of getting new innovations off the ground. However, what I would say um, in the pandemic was that we, clinical governance became far quicker. So we were able to do our checks and balances um, and deliver safe care far quicker than we'd ever been able to before because that's what we had to do to keep our patients safe in their place of preferred care with the hope that we would impact on recognising they were exacerbating sooner and then hospital admissions would only be needed um, if absolutely necessary. So that was the the whole kind of um, rationale behind the plan of what we were trying to do. So how did you decide which patients might be able to work with you on this new project and new way of working using technology? So we basically cleansed the patient caseloads um, back in March and April when we knew that we would be using digital technology. So anybody who was optimised at that time with their consent was was discharged with the caveat they could come back onto caseload. Um, so we focused very much on the patients that had a need at that time. So Barry being a, a patient in point in that his care was being delivered by his heart failure nurse um, and he was offered the tech um, in July of um, 2020. So, so as I say, we focused on um, patients with heart failure and COPD in terms of the first two clinical pathways to use technology with, and that was part of our core long-term condition service. So, Barry, when they approached you, what happened? What did you think about what they were wanting to do? 
I thought it was a brilliant idea because it was safer because uh, you're not going into the hospital. I could put my uh, data into the computer every day as I was on at the beginning. There was no infection that I could get because I was just sitting in front of my computer inputting the data. And I knew that, that the uh, nurses were, were checking that daily, which was fantastic. And I, I've, I've had calls on a Saturday afternoon from partners to say that, you know, one of your reading is quite low or quite high. And so, yeah, it's fantastic. Tell me a little bit more about what you actually have to do, Barry. What, what recordings do you have to re- put into the system? How does it work? Um, I do my blood pressure, uh, my uh, pulse, weight, and um, the oximeter. Do you key those into the computer? I put those into, well, it's a, a, a tablet, I put it in the, in the tablet uh, daily, and, and it asks you questions. And then once a month, you have some questions to answer. And with technology, everything, anything is only as good as the people using it. And one day I pressed the wrong, I pressed the wrong key, <laughs> and they and they rang me up and and said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm fine, thank you." I just pressed <laughs> the wrong key. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it 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 works. It works for me, which is fantastic. And as you said earlier, you were at much reduced risk of getting COVID infection because you were at home and safe. And I guess that that was a positive thing for you. Very much so. I mean, I, I got letters from the government saying that well, I was CEV. That initially makes you very, very you know, you, you don't want to go out the house and things like that. But I knew that, that in this way, my data was being looked at, and and, it, and in fact, I, I spoke to the nurses more about my condition than than the doctor, which was which was reassuring. And and Zoe, the nurses had to adapt then to quite a different way of working. They did, but I think that they they were really adaptable and flexible um, in terms of their patient management. And, and I think it's really important to know that the technology, we describe that as an adjunct to providing care. So it's not an instead of. So that actually, if a patient required a face-to-face physical assessment, that would happen. But we were trying to cut down some of the routine of clinical visiting that had happened before the pandemic in the way of home visits and, and clinical appointments. So it became another armory in our clinical equipment of how we could deliver care whilst reducing some of the risk. Barry, you seem to be quite tech savvy. Have I have I got that right? Yeah, I was until I pressed the wrong key on that. <laughs> we all do that. <laughs> yeah, because I'd been using a, a similar platform with my students. I used to have students come to the college up from all over England. So it was it was digital, the e-portfolio. So, yeah, I've been using a, a, a similar platform for a number of years. Zoe, did you have people who were less tech-savvy than Barry, and how did you deal with that? 
to be honest, we we try to make no assumptions about somebody's age or frailty in terms of their ability to use tech. What we did was in every single case, we went back to our patients and said, actually, this is something that is an offer. You can make an informed decision whether you want to participate um, in your care being delivered in this way. And then we would set an individual management plan with the person, which would then take into account any disability or special needs they had. So, for example, there was one gentleman who I remember really clearly. He was 95. He was uh, visually impaired. And basically, he didn't even have a smartphone. So we provided him with a smartphone so that he could access um, the technology. And then we would call into his home at a specified time on a daily basis so that his carers could give us the information. So so I think what, we've, what we did with the cohort of patients that have gone through our care pathways, which is totaling a thousand now, is look at individual patient need and plan the care around around them. I feel incredibly proud of the clinical team that I represent because I just really feel like they really stepped up to meet the needs of our patients in a really tricky time. I'm guessing that some of them might equally not be quite so tech savvy so they'll have had to step up and learn too. Definitely and I think that um, we work with a particular tech company and they've been really supportive so I, I would say that we've had a very sort of hand in glove operational relationship with them and I think throughout the projects engage with the tech company, our staff and our patients to constantly reflect on what we were doing, what we were learning, what was the feedback, how can we enhance it in real time. So it wasn't just we took a product off the shelf and that was it, we ran with it. We've developed it um, with patients throughout the year. So I think that is part of, I don't know, I, I think it's been a successful project and why it's been successful to date because we had that that way of managing it. So as you both know the Innovation Collaborative seeks to share learning across different projects. What advice would you give other people who were looking at wanting to start a project like this? Start with Zoe and then come on to Barry. I think that the digital agenda in healthcare was always coming. I think the pandemic has escalated the use of tech in the delivery of healthcare. And I think for me, kind of now, nothing is off the table. So yes, we started using tech with our patients with long-term conditions, but we quickly extended that to developing a a digital rehab program for patients. So despite the fact, as as Barry said earlier, he was shielding in his own home, actually we could provide exercise and education through a structured clinically-led program in the safety of somebody's home that's really important that people haven't become deconditioned while they've been shielding. And then we also delivered a uh, COVID virtual ward to support patients on hospital discharge that were COVID positive. Again, because that's what the system required and that's been really successful. So I think I really feel like we were given a seed of an idea in a clinical team a year ago and we've kind of grown a garden centre is how I feel. You know, we we constantly thought about what our patients need, what can we do to work in a different way. Um, So basically now the ideas keep coming and we're starting to share that now as a system so that other care pathways can, can learn by what we've done and think about how that is possibly applicable to um, the care that they provide. 
I love the garden centre analogy and I also love the fact that you're starting with what people need and then exploring how anything really can help you to better deliver care in that context. Barry, what about you? What would you say to people who were looking at doing something like this? Uh, For me, it's been fantastic. I mean, like I say, I live very close to the Glenfield Hospital in Leicester. So I'm able to get there. It's probably a mile away from me. But there were there were patients in the same ward as me who were from 30, 40, 50 mile away. So this kind of platform is is ideal for them. And I think I think moving forward, as Zoe said, that some of the patients are older, so they're not used to technology. So when you move in in a couple of three years' time, people will be using technology, which is just part and parcel of the daily routine. So I think it will get easier. But for me, it's it's been fantastic. A real godsend. As you know, the Innovation Collaborative is all about sharing, and that's what the podcast is about. So would it be possible for you both to share what your vision of the future using technology to deliver clinical services might be? What might it look like? Yeah, so we are, um, we're looking at having a virtual ward. I described that we'd had a a virtual ward to support patients with COVID. However, what we're looking at in cardiorespiratory is that we have a virtual ward all of the time and we will flex the beds depending on what the needs of our patients are at that time. So in kind of autumn, winter times, that'll be a proportion of COVID patients on hospital discharge but also um, there is a place to either step up or step down from same day emergency care pathways and post hospital discharge so so I think what we have learned is that and it's a little bit obvious probably but if we provide support for patients on discharge you have a real chance of them not going back into hospital um from a from an emergency position because they feel um, safe and supported and they've got access to clinical teams. So we're trying to bridge the gap um, for individualised patient support on discharge. That sounds like a great initiative. People don't really want to be cycling back through into admission in hospital and would often much prefer to stay at home. So I think that's really important work, Zoe. So Barry, can I just ask you... What do you think are the ongoing benefits of this type of delivering care to you? Long term for me, I've realised that I can I can diagnose the signs or or what I have to do with with my medication. As a for instance, um, if my if my swelling in in my ankles or my legs gets gets worse, I can take more um, diuretic tablets. If my uh, blood pressure is higher, I know that that something is is not not normal. So I can then contact my heart nurse and and sort that out. So yeah, it's um, it's it's invaluable for me, really. It sounds to me, Barry, like the technology is empowering you to be able to look after yourself. Really, is that is that right? Yes, certainly is. Yes, it's it's a brilliant innovation for me. Instead of pestering the doctors or the heart nurses all the while, it just it just gives me and my family 
uh, peace of mind really that's that's fantastic and Zoe how does that make you feel as a as a nurse I think I think that's absolutely fabulous I think a side effect of what we've done is that patients like Barry become much more aware of what's normal for them in terms of the the slight nuances that their condition is exacerbating and actually at that point if they seek help and treatment then that has a real impact on on getting better sooner so so i think this is fabulous and and of course what clinical teams should be doing because we just want to empower people to be able to self-manage after they are optimized and discharged from our caseloads i mean that's just that's a perfect scenario in my in my view that's fantastic thank you so much for sharing and also telling your story about how technology-enabled care is an important part of the future. Um, And as you know, we'll be sharing that on the Innovation Collaborative site. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and remember to follow the podcast series and sign in to the Innovation Collaborative on the future NHS platform.